Come on, how many of you have some things in your life that need to be just shut down already? Come on. All right. And there's, this message was really, you know, i got to just be honest with you. I've been waking up early in the morning to pray for us and just to spend some time with the Lord. And the Lord's been showing me a lot through the Scriptures. And I was reading this this week. And I realized that there's a lot of promises in the Bible. And there's promises to have a life of joy, a life of peace, victory, strength, freedom. And I wondered, though, Lord, why is it that there are so many promises in the Bible, but not so many people are actually living it out? And I read this passage. It's found in, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. And this is where the second generation now of Israelites are going into the promised land. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, the Word of God says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands and its kings and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpets, that all the people shall shout, <clears throat> all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down. It will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. So as we talk about this morning on the subject of shutting it down, the goal of today's message is to get you to understand and equip you to live out the promises of God and stop missing out on them. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help us to understand it, live it. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me now to speak your truth to all of us. Let us leave here in this place with your presence, with strength, and with wisdom. But we also desperately need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get ready for this word. <clears throat> you guys excited? Amen. In Joshua chapter 6, the Israelites were about to cross over to the promised land. Now, we all know what happened to the first generation of Israelites. They were promised a promised land. But that first generation missed out on it. In other words, that first generation, they missed out on the better life God had for them. That generation missed out on greater things that God had for them. That generation missed out on the promises God had for them. And you better understand because we preach and brag and talk a lot about the promises of God, but what we don't nearly talk a lot about 
is that you can miss out on so much that God has for your life. You can miss the promises of God. They're not a guarantee. The nation of Israel, the first generation, their choices led them. Their choices led them to miss out on what God had for them. So then when it came time for the second generation to go into the promised land, this generation, they crossed over into the promised land. They did it. They're now in the promised land and they're expecting a better life. They're waiting for the greatness of God. This is everything they heard about. This is everything they were raised hearing about. This is everything they were hoping for. And in Joshua, they finally crossed over to the promised land. But I want you to look with me in verse 1. And look at what the Bible says. Verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was securely shut up. It was securely shut. There's a problem there. Because as they go into the promised land, verse 1 tells us that Jericho was a border town. It was a city that bordered the promised land. In other words, Jericho was on the promised land and it was hindering them from continuing to move forward. Jericho was a wall so strong and so mighty that it literally hindered the people of God from continuing to experience the promise God had for them. But notice with me what verse 1 says. Because we talk a lot about Jericho. We teach our kids about Jericho. There's even a cute song and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. I'll never do that again. But, but there's a big excitement about Jericho. When you hear sermons about Jericho, oh, God's going to bring your wall down. And I get that. But I learned something this week that I want to teach you too. I didn't know this until I read it. But Jericho was securely shut because of the children of what? Israel. Jericho was designed and shut because of God's children. In other words, the people, the enemy of Jericho they heard about everything God was doing in the life of the nation of Israel. They heard about all the miracles. They heard about all the great things God had for them. And when they heard what God was doing for His children, the people and the enemies of Jericho said, we need to construct this city to keep them out. We need to design this wall to completely shut them out. When they heard what God was doing, the wall came up. And that wall was specifically put and designed and shut to keep the children of God out. In fact, that word shut that verse 1 mentions in the Hebrew is the word sahar. It sounds like sarar, but listen, it's the word sarar. 
That word literally means to shut something in order to keep something out. It doesn't just mean to close a door. It's when you shut a door so tight for the purpose of keeping something out. Are you with me? When I read that, I realized that Israel's enemy in Jericho tried to literally shut them out. What a picture of what our enemy does to us in our lives. Do you not understand that Satan knows everything God is doing in your life? Isn't it interesting that when you weren't serving Jesus or even have interest in church, the devil left you alone? When you are out there in the world, God knows what you are doing and you don't want to remember what you were doing. You know who you are. You don't remember the devil opposing you. You don't remember the devil going against you. But when you try to get your life right and you started going to church and serving the Lord and you gave your life to Jesus, Something happened where everything else was going wrong and everything else was just horrible and everything came up against me. It is not a coincidence because I believe that our enemy, Satan, knows exactly who the children of God are and what God is doing in their life and the promises he has for their life and the devil is scared of you. That's the only reason. Listen, that is the only reason that the enemies of Jericho shut it down to keep them out because they were afraid. And the children of God should not be afraid of the devil because in reality, the devil is afraid of the children of God because he knows. He knows where you're headed. He knows that if you keep this up, you're going to start growing. And if you start growing, you're going to start being a testimony. And if you're a testimony, you're going to reach other people. And if you reach other people, they're not going to be with me anymore. And if they're not being with me anymore, my kingdom's going to shut down. So I need to shut you down before you shut me down. The devil's trying to shut you down. The devil's trying to keep you out. Of the promise of God. The same way Jericho tried to shut them down by keeping them out. Don't you understand, church, that the devil in our lives right now is trying to shut you down and keep you out of the things God has for your life? He's trying to keep you out of a life of freedom. He's trying to keep you out of a life of of being set free in the promises of God. He's trying to keep you out of a life of joy. He's trying to keep you out of the will of God. He's trying to keep you out of a life where you are a testimony. He's trying to keep you out of the goodness of God. He's trying to keep you out of church. He's trying to keep you out of Bible study. He's trying to keep you out from praying and reading your Bible. He's trying to keep you out. Because he's afraid of you. He's trying to keep you out of the purpose and the plans and the goodness and the promises of God. You see, I didn't even realize that when Jericho was there, 
Jericho shut it down. They shut the wall. They put it up because they were trying to keep the children of God out of the land that belonged to them. Can I tell you that when you're a child of God, purpose and peace belongs to you? When you are a child of God, you have all of these purposes and promises that belong to you. But the devil knows it. And the devil hears about what God's doing in your life. And he says, we got to shut them down. And we got to keep them out. And when the people of Jericho heard of what God was doing to his children and that they were on their way to the promise, they got together and said, we got to put this wall, build it strong. Shut them down. Keep them out. The devil goes to work. Some of you, you can't experience the promises of God in your life and you're stuck because you've hit a wall. A wall that the devil designed to put in your life to keep you out of the things of God. Sometimes that wall is sin. And I know churches don't talk about sin anymore, but that's, this is not that type of church. And there is a wall of sin in your life. And I'm not talking about the sin that you just happened to do and you say, Lord, forgive me. I don't know. In the moment, I'm sorry. Let's get real. I'm talking about, because walls don't just happen, right? Walls are built. Walls take time. They take effort. I'm talking about the sin that you have really taken your time with. I'm talking about the sin You know it's wrong. You know it's keeping you from a life that God has for you. But you know you like it. The sin, the wall that the devil puts, the sin in our lives that keep us from experiencing and stepping into the goodness of God. And the way that it got quiet all of a sudden, tells me as your pastor that I'm either preaching good or you're up to some sin. Or both. Sometimes the wall, and I see this a lot as a pastor, it's a relationship. Right when you're on the way to the promised land, Poppy shows up, looking good. Hey, are you a Christian? I believe in God. Good enough. And you start texting and flirting and swiping and going out and you know that and God's like, not him, not him. But Lord, I love this wall. This is a nice wall. It could be friendships. 
It could be any relationship that hinders you from walking into the promises of God. Sometimes the walls is an attitude. Some people can't step into the promises of God because they're filled with unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. And it's a wall that you build. You ever met an angry person and there's like a wall between them and everyone else? That's demonic. And your raw and bitter, unforgiving, fault-finding, critical, negative attitude has built a wall that is keeping you from a life that God wants you to have. Sometimes I've seen the wall of addiction take place. And what started off as something small grew and overpowered you. And sometimes these walls could be drugs, it can be alcohol, it can be pornography, it could be anything that takes a hold of your life and is keeping you from experiencing the promises of God. And the devil puts that wall right in front of you. It could be distraction. It could be problems. Sometimes the wall is a mindset. And you tell yourself, you're not good enough. You tell yourself, you're not worthy enough. You tell yourself, I I can't be used by God. I'm not good enough. I'm a hypocrite. I can't do it. And the devil puts this wall in your mindset to keep you from the life God has given you and belongs to you. And like the walls of Jericho, I want you to understand that when the children of God stepped into the promised land, the wall was right there with them. Because as soon as you start walking with God, and you start walking in His promises, and you are on your way, the devil says, we got to shut them down. Walls can't be avoided. They can't be tolerated. They can't be accepted. You can't make excuses for your wall anymore. Did you notice that the promised land was, it was big. And I noticed what did not happen in the story. God didn't tell the people, listen, just just go around it. Just pass it. Just avoid it. Just leave it alone. And isn't it true, ironically, pastors preach wrong sometimes and we say, you know, you got to leave sin alone. No, you don't leave sin alone. You destroy it. No, I'm just going to leave it alone. You know what that's called? A side piece. You just put it to the side. Leave it alone until it itches. And you go right back to it. God didn't tell them, hey, put it to the side. Just avoid it. Just ignore it. Just keep your eyes on me. God did not say that. So why is it that you're trying to avoid the walls in your life, but it's not working? It's because walls were not meant to be avoided. They were meant to be destroyed. They were meant to be torn down. They were meant to never hinder you again. But see, the problem is, a lot of us, even in our home, 
in our marriages, in our families, in the life of our children. We see all these walls being built up in our lives, and we just say, oh, man, I just, I'll just ignore it. You see walls being built in your children's lives. You see something happening that's going to stop them from serving God. But you as a parent, rather than tear it down, you say, I'm I'm too busy. I don't know. I'll just pray about it. You see a wall being built in your marriage between you two. We're not the same. We don't talk anymore. We're we're just living together. We're just roommates. But you know what? We we did pass the five-year mark, and it's normal. We're busy, the kids. No, shut it down. Do something about that wall. We have too many people and too many churches preaching tolerance. Just tolerate the wall. Learn to coexist with the wall. Just accept the wall. Don't judge the wall. Yes, judge it. It is wrong. It is a sin. It needs to come down. Stop making excuses for your wall. Why do I know this to be true? Because walls show up. How many of you have a wall right now? Everyone does. The ones that didn't raise their hand, you know what your wall is? You're a liar. You're denying. There's your wall. I found a few. Let me ask you one more time. How many of us have a wall? How many of us can two? Oh, two hands. I see two hands. We all have walls. Walls creep up in families. Walls creep up in churches. Walls have creeped up in this church. And when you see it, you got to shut it down before it shuts you down. you got to keep that out before it keeps you out. And God said this in verse 5 to prove to you that walls can't be avoided, can't be tolerated, accepted, or excused. Verse 5, very first line. Let's say it together. It shall come to Give God praise for that. It shall come to pass. And when I read that, I said, oh my goodness. Walls are going to come. And when they come, it better pass. Some of you can't get past some walls in your life. And even though this wall showed up in their promised land, God had a plan and said, hey, this is going to pass. This is coming down. This is going to be destroyed. Walls will come into our lives. But God intended every wall of your life to pass. Not to linger. Not to stay to pass it on to your next generation. There are walls in your life, God says, has come to your life. It has showed up into the promise I have for you. But it shall pass. This wall needs to pass. It needs to pass. Say it with me. It needs to pass. Snap your neighbor and tell him, it needs to pass. you got to get past this in order to get to where God wants you to get to. You need to pass it. What walls have come into your life today? He 
they need to pass. Because it is stopping you and keeping you out of the promises of God. Doesn't matter how long your wall has been there. Well, my grandmama had this wall. My mama had this wall. And I'm the mama that's going to be the mama to give it on to my other people. And their mama's going to have the same wall. What can I say? This wall is part of my, it's in my blood. It's in my DNA. No, no, I've grown up with this wall. I've gotten used to this wall. And what if there's walls in your life God is saying that needs to pass? Because I have more for your life. Doesn't matter how long you've had this wall. Don't tell me, Pastor, I've been with this wall too long. It's too late. Then you don't know God. Did you know Jericho is as old as one of the oldest cities ever existed? Why did God make it that way? Why? Because God is letting us know, I don't care how long it's been in your life, I can tear it down and you can get past it. No matter how many of you need some walls, you need to get past it. Pastor, you need to pass this wall. Does it matter how long it's been in your life? Does it matter how complicated your wall is? Jericho was complicated. It had the thickest walls of any city. It was built with complex people. It was just so complicated. And the devil has convinced you that your wall is beyond fixing and passing and tearing down because it's just, it's just too complicated. doesn't matter how long your wall has been there, how complicated it is, or even how impossible it feels. When God says, it came to pass, God meant it. This has come to your life. And I don't care how it came to your life, when it came to your life, how it came to your life, why it's still in your life. I will tear it down. And I will make this pass. Here's the problem. We tend to tell God, Lord, I know you can tear my walls down. But how long? When? Tell me how long it's going to take. Look at verse 4, verse 2 to 4 with me. And verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho into your hands. I've given you this wall to tear down. You have victory over this wall. It's kings and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. Everyone say once. Once, all right. Then you shall do it for six days. Say six days. All right, once, six days. Got it. And seven priests, say seven, shall bear seven trumpets, say seven, ram's horns before the ark. But on the seventh day, say seven, on the seventh day, so God said, okay, one time on the first day for six days, and on the seventh day, go seven times. That's how long it's going to take you, Joshua. Seven days, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpet. 
And he said, verse 7, get this, he said to the people, proceed and march around the city. That's it. Did Joshua tell him how long it was going to take? Did you ever catch that in the story? Did Joshua say, hey, march? But guys, I promise you, you just got to do it once around for six days. And guys, I assure you, the Lord told me that on the seventh day, we're going to go seven times. And just on the seventh time, when we're right around the corner, it's going to come down. So don't worry. That's how long it's going to take. He never told them how long. He knew how long, but he didn't tell them. He just said, March. Why is it so important you learn this? Why is it that Joshua didn't tell the people how long this wall will be there? How long is it going to take for me to get this out of my life, Lord? How long is it going to take for me to overcome this addiction? How long, Lord, is it going to take for me to just walk with forgiveness in my heart? How long am I going to be bitter, Lord? How long am I going to be this way? Lord, I don't want this. How long do I have to put up with this wall, Lord? Can I tell you, God's not going to tell you how long. Why did Joshua not tell him? Because remember, Joshua was part of the first generation. And did you know that the first generation of Israelites, they were supposed to go into the promised land for only 11 days? It was only going to take them 11 days. But how long did it take them to get there? 40 years. Why? Because of choices they made. And Joshua has enough experience and age and wisdom to know. I'm not going to tell these people how long. Because I know that the journey might take 11 days, but choices make it 40 years. And I'm not going to tell these people it's going to take seven times around because if they make the wrong choice, they're going to keep going around and I'm not going to lie to them. How long are you going to be in your wall? How long are you going to be where you're at? It is up to you and your choices. Stop telling God how long. Why? Because God will only tell you back. It's up to you. How long? It's up to you. your choice. It depends on you. It depends on your action. Well, how long am I going to have this anger? It's your choice. You can either make it short or make it long. Well, how long am I going to be this way? How long am I going to have this problem? How long am I going to have this hatred? How long? 11 days? 40 years? Maybe a lifetime. It's up to you. Your choices keep your wall up. Your choices keep you stuck. Your choices are the reason you can't move forward into what God has for your life. It is up to you. It is not up to God. 
God already gave it to you. God already said, this is yours. He told Joshua, this is yours. I have given you this land. I have given you Jericho. You already have victory. This is a vow. This is a promise. This is the life I have for you. But you have to make the choice whether you're going to take it or not. And if you continue like the first generation to make choices that are rebellious and wrong, you will stay and die and never see the promises of God. How long, Bill Lord? It's up to you. In fact, the walls in your life right now are not there because God can't bring it down. The walls in your life are there because your choices are keeping them there. And I know you're like, Pastor, take it easy. I'm sorry. But this message can set you free. This message might be the reason God says, now you can get past it. Because how many of you, you said, okay, I have a wall. Show me your hands, you have a wall. Now how many of you want to see that wall come down? Get past it. It's up to you. Because here's why we preach this Jericho story wrong. And I know we preach it wrong. I've preached it wrong. I always assume the walls just came down. How many of you just assume that? Don't make me the only one. I just assumed. I grew up with this story. I want to. I think my Sunday school teacher is dead now. She's still alive. Marie Louise still alive? Okay, I'm going to call her. I'm going to tell her, woman, you lied to me. Because I remember her teaching me this story, telling me that these people hit a wall. And God shut it down. God brought it down. I'm like, wow. I don't want to lie to you. I could end this sermon right now. You could go to lunch, happy, and say, oh, oh, my walls are coming down. And then Monday shows up and like, why hasn't the wall come down? Then you're going to come to Sunday's message and say, Pastor, I want a refund on that message because it didn't work. I still have my wall. And then you're going to come to my funeral one day and look at me and say, you lied to me. I still have my wall. But I want to be in heaven with you. And when you go to heaven and you never experience the promise and goodness of God and you missed out, I want to be in heaven saying, I told you so. I told, did I not tell you? What's today's date? 28, September 28th, 11, 19. August. August, see? The devil's trying to trip me up. August 28th, 11, 20 a.m. Sunday morning, Ford Fellowship. Pastor David told you, walls don't just come down. You have to make choices. When I read this story, because I do the work for you. Three actions. Say it with three. Three actions they did before the wall came down. Because I know my church. Oh, yes, I want my wall to pass. I want to shut it down. I am shutting the devil down. That's it. Thank you, Pastor. 
But now after I tell you this three, you're going to say, I don't know if I can do this. Choice number one. You ready? Brace yourself. Come on. You look tense. Let's all stand for a second. Stand to a second. Okay. All right. Face this way. All right. Put your hand on the shoulder of that person next to you. Rub the shoulders a little. Say, hey, so you're a little tense. Get ready. Because Pastor David is about to set you free from your wall. All right. You're a little tense. All right. Turn around. Turn around. All right. Reach down to the other person and say, oh, you're just as tense, you little hypocrite. Look at you. Just as tense. And if you're a first-time guest, I'm sorry we touch people. All right, let's sit down. All right. Does that feel good? You're ready for the three choices? All right, see you guys next Sunday, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that you actually want to hear the Word of God? Verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands. Let's pause. God told him, Calm down. I have given it to you. It's yours. The promised land, it's yours. I've given it to you. Before you get excited like sharing, clapping, listen. The Lord said to Joshua, See? I've given you Jericho into your hands. Kings, of mighty men of valor. I've given it to you. And here's my question. Did the Lord not give it to them? Was it theirs? Did they have victory over it? Let me pause and tell you right now, the walls in your life, I promise you, you have victory over God has given it to you. It doesn't have to be in your life anymore. But here's my question. If God gave it to them, why do they have to go in circles? Why do they have to go every day for one day, for six days, once a month? And nothing happens. And why is it that on the seventh day they had to go seven times around and go in circles and nothing happened? Wait, wait, God, you told me I had victory, but it seems like I have victory over this wall in my life, but lately it feels like I'm going in circles. Nothing has changed. I'm still doing it. It's still controlling my life. The wall is still there. I don't think it's working. God, have you ever been there? God gave them the victory, but they had to go in circles because God was teaching them a first choice you have to make. God was teaching them the principle of consistency. They had to be obedient to God, did they not? Go around this, this whole wall, go around the city. Okay, Lord. Do it for one day, for six days, on the seventh day, seven times. Okay, Lord. And your life would, just, would be so much better if you would just say, okay, Lord. There they were. Nothing's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm in obedience. I'm doing what God told me to do, but nothing's changed. Because God is trying to teach you that sometimes victory is not instant. 
We lie to the church and we make it sound like you just come to one service, pray one prayer, and victory is yours. Go home and it's never going to happen again. But you know what the Christian life is like? What I'm doing right now. Step by step, consistently doing what God told me to do. The devil says, oh, I see that wall still there. Yep. But you're still trying? Yep. But nothing's changed. I know. So why are you doing it? God told me to. But the wall's still there. But God told me to. But it makes no sense. But God told me to. So I'm going to keep doing it. Even though I don't see results. I'm just going to keep doing it. The devil says, no, 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 no. You just give up. Stop. Nothing's going to change. You look foolish. I know. But sometimes foolishness is what sets you free. I know it looks crazy, but I got to keep doing it. Some of you want your walls down. You got to be consistent with obedience. You ain't coming forward one time and getting just delivered. Maybe, but I doubt it. Some of you, you're going to make some laps. So you say, okay, God says, hey, get up, go to church on Sunday. Okay. Keep doing it. You wake up Sunday, I'm tired, but I gotta stay consistent. And then God says, okay, now go to Bible study on Wednesday. But God, I'm busy. Keep doing it, okay? Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep loving. Keep forgiving them. Keep on keeping on. Come on, keep on. And God was teaching them consistency. I'm busy right now. <laughs> Do you know why so many walls stay up? Because consistency is dead in so many of the people's lives. We don't have consistent people anymore. We have people that think they're going to get fixed by one church service, one Bible study, one prayer. Isn't that what we teach in church? Just pray this prayer with me and you're good. That is not God. The people that tear down walls and shut the devil out are consistent. They keep praying. They keep serving. They keep believing. They keep being faithful. They keep doing what's right. And even when nothing changes, it's not going to change their consistent obedience. They're going to keep doing it and keep doing it. How long? until something happens. And maybe your wall is up because you're not consistent. You tell God, I'm sorry, I repent, this is the last time, but that repentance is not real because it's not consistent. The Bible says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. you got to be consistent with it. Like a jack-in-the-box. River loves this. Freaks me out. But this is what a Christian life looks like.
Did you see that excitement? It's real. I hate this thing. But when, when that door opened, I'm like, oh, oh my God, oh, and that's great. How do you want that for your life with God now? You guys want God to open doors for you? Amen. Come on. You want God to open doors for you? You want God to do things that get you to go, oh, oh, hi, oh, oh my goodness, this is awesome. You want that or do you want to be boring? God wants to excite you. God wants to open doors. But do you notice before this door opened, what did I have to do? Consistently circle. Stay single. Keep doing it. Stay married. Keep doing it. Keep going to church. Keep praying. Keep raising those kids in the ways of the Lord. Keep on having integrity. Keep going. Be honest. Keep doing the right thing. Nothing's happening, Lord. But something will. But Lord, it's been 11 days and 40 years. But something's going to happen. And eventually, you go around enough. And God says, now. And doors open. But doors do not open for those who can't do circles. You want God to open doors? Give you opportunity? Bless you? Excite you? Heal your marriage? Raise your children? How consistent are you? Two. You guys receive that? If you're not here next Sunday, it's because you didn't do it. That's not fair. It's a holiday weekend. I know. I'll be here. Choice number two. Verse six and seven. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city. See, not only did they go around in circles, but the second choice they had to make to see this wall come down is the ark of God, which the, the word ark literally means box. But that ark of the covenant represented the presence of God. And Joshua said, get the box. Get the God box. Get the presence of God and put it in front. Let it be first. And then go around. Because we always focus and the people went around. No, it wasn't just the people and the presence of God was first. You know why so many walls don't come down in our lives? Because God is not first. The Ark of the Covenant was first, it was in front, and it was leading. And the honest truth, so many people, they don't get past their walls because God is not first, and God is not the leader of their life or their home. You call the shots. You do what you want. 
And if you have time, I'll, I'll go to church. If I have time, I'll go to God. If I need God, I'll pray to God. No, and a lot of people do not put God first. And many people's walls remain. I guarantee they remain. Because when you look at their lives, the Lord is not first in your life. He is not first in your choices. He is not first in your finances. He is not first in your values. He is not first in your day. He is not first in your life. And it's no wonder walls remain because you are doing it without God. And tell me in the Bible who in the Scriptures had victory without God. No one. So why would you? If God is not first in your life, you're just going to keep going in circles. And nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to come down. You'll never get into the promises and the victory God has for you. Because you refuse to put God first and let Him be the leader of your life. But you want to call the shots. You want to do it your way. And you think you're putting God first by coming to church? You're lying to yourself. What a lot of us do? Do it again. Come to church on Sunday. Worship. You listen to Pastor David. That was a great message. Oh my gosh, I left church. It was so exciting. I felt so great. Oh, and the worship. And Frankie, she did my song. Oh yes, and the people were so nice. And oh, I felt great. And what a great Sunday. Oh, it's over now. God, i got to put you back in the box. Alright, see you next Sunday, God. And you're not after God, you're after a feeling. That's 90% of the church in America. Oh, it's Sunday. Okay, Lord, get me excited. Get me happy. Sing my song. Preach it. Encourage me. Oh, that was great. Okay. 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 Church is over. Putting you back in. Because I got to work. I got laundry. I got Netflix. I got a date. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got a party. I got this. I got that. I got eight hours. I got homework. I got this. I got that. Okay, so see you next Sunday. And then God, I've been coming to forward for seven years. Ten years, I love this church. They are, that's, the worship's great. Oh, oh, it still excites me. Oh my gosh, this church is awesome. Okay, God, I'll see you next Sunday. I can't make it Wednesday. Okay, okay. Oh my gosh, Sunday. Oh, you're doing the hell series. Oh, I love the hell series. Oh, I've been, oh, that was great. I love hell. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Church is over. Oh, I got lunch. I got all these things to do. Okay, God, I'm not going to make it next Sunday because I got things to do. And, and Wednesday, you know, I'm, I haven't been to Wednesdays in a long time. But, but Lord, um, um, and maybe if I have time, Lord, and, and you know, and, uh, okay, bye, Lord. Six months later. Okay, God, excite me again. Oh, I missed it. I missed the worship. Oh, I missed the past year. Oh, that feels great. Oh, Ah, that was great, Lord. Thank you. I feel so much better. I came to church. Okay, God. Back in the box. 
You don't have a relationship with God. You have an emotion with God. You come to church to get excited, moved, spiritual. More than half of you, if not all of you, as soon as that clock hits 11.45, back in the box you go. Where I go, nobody knows. But all I know, it's going to be a fun day. Don't worry, God. I'll see you Sunday. I just made that up. That was good. I'm just free, but I just free. Guys, don't put God in a box anymore. Put him in front. Put him first. The Bible says this in Colossians 1.17. He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. All things. Finances, family, health, future, life, kids, everything. All things hold together. God said, you know what? All things I can sustain. And if you want me to sustain all things in your life, He is what? Before all things. And God cannot tear down your wall if all things come before God. We got it backwards. He is before all things. Not all things are before God. Don't put Him back in the box. Consistency, putting God first. And then came the real test. Verse 10. Because, you know, the first two, you're it's obvious. Okay, I'm going to stay with it. Got to stay with it. Okay, put God first. I got it. But this one, I don't think none of you can do. Except with Jesus. Ready? Uh, Joshua had commanded all the people, saying, You shall not shout. Make noise with your voice, nor shall a word come out of your lips. If you want to shut it down, there's things in your mouth that need to be shut first. Joshua said to the people, All right, we're going to do this, right? Yeah, we're going to keep doing it until something happens. Good. God's first. Yep, God's first. He's in the front. He's leading. We got this. Alright, you ready, people? Yeah! We're gonna do it! Yeah! This wall is coming down! Yeah! Now, everyone with me. Ready? Shut it. What do you mean? I can't... Shh. Not a word. Why did Joshua tell them? Not a word. Joshua was from the first generation, remember? Say yes, Pastor. First generation. In that first generation, when they saw the promised land, eight spies came back and said, we can't do it. It's too hard. It's impossible. It's too complicated. They're too big. They're giants there. We're like grasshoppers. We can't do it. And the Bible says word began to spread. 
and everyone became negative and critical and judgmental. They got mad at Moses. They were discouraged just because of the words they were speaking. And they made a choice to go back to Egypt. And then God said, I've had enough. You're not walking into this promise. Joshua remembered that. And Joshua remembered the first generation missed the promise of God because they couldn't keep their mouths shut. All they did was complain. All they did was criticize. All they did was fault find. All they did was speak negative. And I'm not going to allow this generation to talk themselves out of what God has for them. And the reasons that walls remain in your life is because you have spoken words and you have talked yourself out of the miracles of God. You tell yourself, I can't do it. You tell yourself, I'm not good enough. You tell yourself, it's too difficult. You tell yourself, I, I've been with this too long. You tell yourself, everyone says to me, I can't do it. You complain too much. You look at your life in a negative mindset. You're critical of life, God, others, everything. You're just criticizing. And that's why you have become the generation of complainers. And Proverbs 18.21 says that the power, notice, death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. Your tongue, your mouth is powerful. Did you realize that you are in a life and death situation right now and it involves your words? You want to tear down walls in your marriage? Stop speaking negatively towards your spouse. You want to see walls come down in your children? Speak life into them and tell them all things are possible through Him who strengthens you. You want to see life in your life? You need to speak the truth of God's Word and you'll begin to see the devil get shut down when your words speak life. And sometimes the greatest thing you could ever say in your life is nothing. Shut it. Shut it. But, but I don't know. Shh. But you don't know how my life. Shh. But it's not my fault. Shh. Just do it. Get close. How many of you have walls? As we close, God says, this came to pass. This wall in your life, whether sin, addiction, mindset, this wall that is keeping you from the promises of God, it has come to your life, but it has come to pass. God wants to bring this wall down from your life. Don't let this become another Sunday where you just get excited, but you put God back in the box. Say, Lord, I know this wall has come down. I'm speaking life into this wall, not death. So the people... They saw the wall, they saw how big it was, how impossible it was. 
But they said, okay, let's go. Day one, nothing. Day two, nothing. Day three, just like day two and one, nothing. Day four, same, nothing's changing. Day five, nothing. Day six, oh my gosh, we're, we've been doing this all day. God, it hasn't changed. It hasn't happened. And God says, stay consistent. Stay consistent. You want your water to come down? Stay consistent and obey the Lord. Stay consistent in doing what is right, even when you see no change. And not only were they consistent, they put God first. Is God first in your life or is he just an emotion? Are you really the leader of your life or is God? Don't let God just be another feeling on a Sunday morning where you're going to put him back in the box and be the leader of your life. Let God take the lead because when God takes the lead, walls come down. And the devil's trying to shut you out of the promises of God. If you put God first and stay consistent, your walls can come down. And in Jesus' name, do not talk yourself out of the promises of God. Don't tell yourself, I've, I've gone too far. Don't tell yourself, I'm the worst person ever. Don't tell yourself, I'm just a hypocrite. Don't tell yourself, I'm too much in bondage. Don't tell yourself, it's too difficult, it's impossible. Let the words that come out of your mouth honor the Word of God. And don't talk yourself out of it. And as they stay consistent, and as they put God first, and as they made sure to keep their mouth shut, did you realize something, church? That as soon as the wall was about to come down, it was the hardest day of the week for them. Because the day the wall came down, the day they had victory, that was the day God said, you got to go around not once, but seven times. That was the day that was going to be the longest. That was the day that was going to be the hardest. That was the day they were going to be the most tired. But that was the day victory was right around the corner. And you might be saying right now, if things in my life are just the hardest they've ever been, could it be that it is the hardest right now it's ever been? You're the most tired you've ever been. Because right around the corner, God is up to something great. Your walls are coming down and doors are about to be open. And God says, you have been consistent long enough. You have been consistent. You have been obedient. You have made sure not to speak words that don't honor me. And just around the corner is your victory. Just around the corner is your healing. Just around the corner, that wall that's kept you bound for years is coming down. It doesn't just come down. It comes down with consistency. It comes down when God is first. And it comes down when you speak life. And sometimes speaking life means I say nothing at all. Come on, give God praise to There are two people I want to reach out to today. Two groups, two types. The first one is the, the children of God. These people were children of God. But they had a wall. 
Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. You say, well, let me explain what that means first. If you have repented of your sin, if you have turned away from your sin, acknowledging that you're a sinner, and you have surrendered your life to Jesus, knowing that He is the only way you can be forgiven of your sins. He is the only way, and you're putting your trust in Him because He is the only way to God the Father in heaven. If you have done that, you're a child of God. But even the children of God here hit a wall. Maybe you're a child of God that say, Pastor, I've hit a wall in my life. I'm in bondage. I have a mindset. I have a hold. I have this one thing that's keeping me from the life I know God has given me. And it's time for you to get past it. Ask yourself this question. Have I been consistent? Or, or have I just been going after a feeling? Do I just go to church on Sundays and, and I pray and then get excited and put God back in the box? And Monday through Saturday, you're not consistent. Maybe that's you. And God is not first in your life. It's time for you to make a choice. Say, Lord, from here on out, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall. But Lord, when I fall, when I make those mistakes, I'm going to get right back up and stay consistent. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep going in circles even when nothing happens, till something happens. Because I know that you can open doors I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to put you first in my life again because I admit other things have come before God. And I know I've been talking to myself out of your promises. But today, Lord, that changes. But there's someone in this story that wasn't a child of God. And her name was Rahab. And Rahab was a prostitute. She was living a life of sin. It was all about pleasure for her, money. She was living not only in Jericho. The Bible says, literally, she lived inside the wall. She made an apartment inside the wall. That's how comfortable she got with her wall. That's how used to she got to her wall. She made a home in her wall. And you know that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you have made a lifestyle of living in a wall. But the Bible says she heard about God. She heard about what God was doing to these children of Israel. And something in her said, I want that. And she told Joshua and all the people, when this wall comes down, I want you to save me. I want you to rescue me. 
Because I know there's more to life than where I'm at right now. There is more to life than this wall. Will you remember me and save me? And the day the wall came down, they went after Rahab. And they reached out and said, Rahab, it's time. Let's go. It's time to get out of here. It's time to leave the wall because God has so much more. And she grabbed the hands of those men and they led her out. You have Jesus right now saying, you've been in this wall long enough. I'm reaching out to you right now. Just take my hand, trust in me, and let me lead you to a better life. Let me lead you to a life of freedom and victory. Just trust in Jesus today. And when Rahab trusted in the Lord, did you know that out of Rahab and her lineage came Jesus Christ? Who knew that God can do something so great in the life of a woman that was so bad? But Rahab did not talk herself out of this salvation. She said, I know I can get out of this to God. And today, church, I want to make sure, like Rahab, you know without a doubt you are saved. That you are not making a lifestyle of a wall. Because if your wall is a lifestyle, you do not know God. But today could be the day that just around the corner, you can be saved through Jesus Christ. And you can turn away from your life of sin. Say, Lord, save Rahab didn't deserve it. Rahab did nothing to earn it. She just received it. With every head bowed and every eye closed today. If you're here this morning, and you're not sure if you know God, but you do know that you've made a lifestyle of your wall. You know that you're a sinner. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And maybe you're like Rahab and say, but pastor, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. And that may be true, but God does. And he says, I can save you. God has so much more for your life. But the first thing is first, you need to get saved. You need to repent and turn from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and let him be the first let him be the leader of your life as he leads you to the promise, not only of heaven, but the purpose on earth. And if this is you this morning, I want you to put that hand up over you and say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Because I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. But I know that it is by love and by grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that He is offering to save you. He is offering to rescue you. In Jesus' name, if that's you, you just put your hand this way. God bless you. See your hand there. You see your hand there as well. I'm praying for you. God bless you. Let's all stand to our feet today. With every head bowed, every eye still closed. If you're here this morning, 
not only because you want to be sure without a doubt that you are saved. A true sign of salvation is a desire, a not a desire. You say, Lord, I have no desire to live in this wall anymore. I have no desire to be in the world anymore. I have no desire to live an ungodly life anymore. I'm empty inside. And Rahab experienced the love and the mercy and the power of God when she made the choice to be saved. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I know I'm saved. But I also know that I've been putting God in the box. God is not first in my life. I have not been consistent. And Pastor, I know I have walls in my life. I have walls, I have secret walls. I have walls that I'm ashamed of. I have walls that are ruining my testimony. I have walls that are breaking apart my family. I want to pray for you as well. If that's you this morning, church, I want to really pray for you, whether you're here to receive Christ today or you're here to have your walls torn down. Would you come to this altar today to pray? Come on, give God praise today and encourage everyone. There's no shame. There's, oh my gosh, come on, come up forward. Come on, give God praise today. Come on. If you're here to receive Christ, would you stand to this side? If you're here because you're saying, I know Christ, but I have walls in my life, would you stand over here so I can know who I'm praying for? Can we give God praise to these people here today? Come on. Let's all pray today. If you're here today, and I love that you're here this morning. I love that Jay is up here. But Jay has been putting, going in circles. But today he's making the choice not to put God in the box anymore, but to make him the Lord and the leader of his life. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I want to make the Lord Jesus Christ once and for all the leader and the Lord of my life. With your heart, it's not the prayer that saves. It's what's in your heart. Would you tell the Lord right now, honestly in your heart, just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Father, I know I'm not saved. I put you in a box. But Lord, today, just say, Lord, today, I repent of my sin. I turn. And I'm asking you to truly save me. Be the Lord of my life. For I confess with my mouth today, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the only way to heaven. And it is only by grace and mercy that you can save me. So today, Lord, save me. Change me and use me for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And I give God praise for the people today. And I want to pray for the rest of you here today. I don't leave you, all of you here today that say, Pastor, I'm in the wall right now. Whatever your wall is right now, believe with your mouth right now, say it, it can pass. 
Don't tell yourself it's too hard, it's too difficult, it is impossible. Stay consistent. Put God first. Don't talk yourself out. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, you know the walls in our lives. You know the walls that are bigger than us. You know the walls that are stronger than us. You know the walls that are secret. You know the walls that put us to shame. You know what is keeping us and keeping us out of your promises, Lord. Father, you know the walls the devil has placed in our lives to stop us and shut us down. But in Jesus' name, we will shut him down today, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, in your timing, Lord, that these walls will come down, that you will put a level of strength and consistency to keep going and keep going until something happens, Father. And I pray that every day as they continue, Lord, that they will put you first in their life and let them lead, be led by you, Jesus. And Father, as we leave here today, let the words of our mouth be honoring to you at all times, Father. Forgive us, Lord, when we speak death into ourselves and our lives and our people and our circumstances. And in Jesus' name, let our mouths and our words line up with your words, Lord, and bring us glory. And let these walls pass, Father, in your time. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise, church. Give him a real praise. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. How many of you are saying, Pastor, I needed that this morning? Don't put them back in your box now. <laughs>